Friends, welcome to the Sunday Sermon segment of We Need God. Please listen as Father Carrozza offers his homily for today, which was recorded live in St. Dennis Parish. Have you ever done a favor for someone and they never bothered to thank you? And I don't mean something little like, you know, you lent somebody a pen, but something big, such as maybe you gave an entire Saturday to help somebody with a project around the house and you worked hard for them. And at the end of the day, they not only didn't say, let me take you to dinner or something like that, didn't even say thank you. Well, even if that's not happened to you, imagine how you would feel if it did. I'm sure we'd feel used, you know, uh, not appreciated, all sorts of different things, saying I gave all that time, all that effort, and the least he could have done was said thank you to me. Well, that would kind of help us explain what Jesus was talking about today with these 10 lepers. The scourge of the ancient world was leprosy. Leprosy, basically, when you contracted leprosy, your body basically started to decay while you were still alive until eventually you died of it. And it was highly contagious and there was no cure. So if you contracted leprosy, your life was over. You could not live with the community, with your family. You, were, if the, you had to show yourself to the priest if you had sores that looked like they were leprosy. And if the priest declared they were leprosy, you had to go outside the city and live with other lepers in an area away from others. And if people came near you, you had to yell out, unclean, unclean, so that they would not get too close to you and catch leprosy themselves. And you lived off food that people left for you at a distance, people who felt sorry for you. So your life was completely over. You'd never see your family, never see your friends, never work again a day of your life. So with this happening, we have these 10 men who have leprosy and obviously their lives are pretty much over. They hear only, they perhaps have only one hope and that is they've heard of this man, Jesus, and he's coming by and they stand at a distance and yell out to him, Jesus, master, have pity on us. What else could Jesus have on them but pity? And so he tells them, go show yourselves to the priest. And there was a reason for that, because your only hope if you had leprosy was that the sores you had were not really leprosy, but something else. So if they disappeared, you went and showed yourself to the priest. The priest declared, you're no longer a leper. You're you're not a leper. You didn't have it. And you're able to return to your family and your friends and your work. So Jesus tells them to go and show themselves to the priests. And maybe they understood along the way that they would be healed, we don't know. But along the way, of course, they were healed. And of the 10, only one of them returned to give thanks to Jesus. And he points out, you know, where are the other nine? And the only one who returned was a Samaritan, a foreigner. And he says, were there, you know, where are the other nine? Only this foreigner came and returned to, to thank God. Now, Jesus didn't say of the other nine, well, since they didn't thank God, now their uh, leprosy is coming back to them or anything like that. He simply pointed out the fact that where was their gratitude to God? Perhaps they were just so busy or so excited to go back to their work and their families and everything and show them, look, I'm clean, that they didn't even take a moment to stop and thank God. Well, of course, the lesson of those 10 lepers in Jesus is a reminder for us today to remember to thank God for the good things that he gives us. 
we all pray to God for different things. And sometimes people are very quick to say, you know, yeah, what has God ever done for me? You know, I, I've been praying and praying for something and he's never answered my prayers. Well, God actually does answer every prayer, but sometimes the answer is no. And we're not happy with the answer no. And sometimes we kind of expect God to you know, work miracles and don't do our part to try to make what he's asking you know, come to pass. For example, I remember the story of the, the guy who's always complaining, dear Lord, help me win the lottery. Week after week, he comes to church saying, dear Lord, please, please help me win the lottery. Lord, come on. I need to win the lottery. Lord, come on. Let me win the lottery. Let me win the lottery. And finally, a voice from heaven bellows down to the guy, give me a break, fellow. Buy a ticket. And sometimes we only concentrate on the things God hasn't done and we forget the things he has done for us. When we pray for something and God does answer our prayers, do we remember to thank him for what he did for us? But of course, again, there are sometimes people who think, well, God hasn't, doesn't answer my prayers. What do I have to be thankful for? Well, if that's the case, then maybe we have to broaden our vision and see the other things that God has done for us, regardless or not just in answering requests that we placed before him, but rather to see the things that were most important that God did for us. And the most important of all was literally saving us from hell. Because of original sin of Adam and Eve, the sin which we all inherit at our conception, each and every one of us, because of that, was literally condemned to hell. We could try our best to be the best person we could be, but of ourselves, we could not enter heaven. It was shut out to us. We were closed off from heaven and we would be in the devil's power for all of eternity because of original sin and because of our own sins that we commit. And only God had the power to save us. And he could have just left us wallowing in our sins and say, well, hey, I told you not to do it. You did it anyway, so suffer. But unthinkable. He came and said, God himself took on flesh to dwell in our world and pay the price for our sins that we should have done. By rights, we should be the ones who died on the cross. And God could have said to us, all right, well, hey, you know, you sinned. Do you want to enter my kingdom? Pay back the price for what you did. You die on the cross and I'll let you into heaven. And that would have been perfectly fair. But he didn't do that. He says, no, I won't make you do that. I will do it for you. And I will give you my body and blood as food so that I can enter you and draw you into being one with me so that every time you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you will be with me on the cross. I'll do it for you. And you only have to follow me and re worthily receive communion every Sunday. And when we look at it, we, I think we have to say, that's it, Lord. That's all we have to do. Wow, you're kind of like letting us off scot-free. You know, where's the catch in all this? And he says, there is no catch. I'm doing it because I love you. And so he paid the price for what we did to him. He paid our suffering and now just calls us to follow him. And is that not a reason enough for us to be grateful to God? And when people tell me, well, what has God ever done to me? I, for me, I point to the cross and say, that's not enough. That's not enough what he did for us. My question is, what more does he have to do for us in order for us to be grateful to him and follow him? And the, and the answer is, God actually didn't even leave it there. He does 
more for us than that. That wasn't the end when he suffered and died and rose from the dead. He continues to help us. He continues to free us from that contagion of sin, the, uh, the leprosy of our souls, which is our own sins. Because while we know that original sin is washed away in baptism, and when we're baptized, we're given a white garment and told that that white garment represents our pure souls now and bring that dignity unstained into the everlasting life of heaven. Nevertheless, the Lord knows we all do sin afterwards. And sometimes we sin repeatedly over and over again. And maybe we feel bad about it. Sometimes we might feel absolutely horrified that we've committed sins. But we come to the Lord in confession and he forgives us over and over again. Sometimes we might even feel that the priest would be perfectly justified if we go in and confess we committed these sins again. And the priest says, you know, God says I've given you enough opportunities. When are you just going to bite the bullet and stop? You know, come on. How many opportunities will I give you to overcome these sins and you haven't done it? So, no, I'm tired of forgiving you. And if that happened, we might even say, you know, God, you're totally justified. That's right. You, you are right. You know, I've blown every opportunity for of forgiveness, but he never does that. He forgives us over and over again, even if we don't see the reason for God to forgive us. And at that moment, perhaps is when we realize just how much God loves us. And I've always felt that we will only truly know God's love for us when we've reached a point such as that, when we come to acknowledge Say, you know, why should God forgive me after all that I've done? You know, he should just wash his hands from me and, be, and dismiss me and say, I've had it with you. And yet he never does. And he forgives us over and over again, even if we commit very serious sins that we have such remorse for, that we're so embarrassed, so ashamed to admit that we committed, especially sins that might come into the sexual sphere. And we say, how could I have done that? And yet God forgives us over and over again. And that's when we know his love. And I think we will never really truly know God's love until we feel that in the sacrament of reconciliation. I had an opportunity, in addition to my own sins in going to confession, to see that from a little bit from God's point of view as a priest about many years ago. There was a young man who worked for me in a parish, and he worked in the rectory, was an altar server in our teen club and everything. Good, solid kid, 16-year-old boy. And he came from a good, solid, church-going Catholic family, wonderfully well-prepared by his parents. And he was dating a girl. And he was over at their house one day, and he and the girlfriend went up to the bedroom, and they were just sitting there talking. And one thing led to another, and you can imagine what ended up happening. Well, if that's not bad enough, the father goes upstairs and he hears strange sounds coming from the daughter's bedroom. He opens the bedroom door and he catches them in the act, in flagrante delicto, as we say. And I can only imagine what that scene was like for the father to catch his daughter and her boyfriend in the middle of this act. And he, of course, I can just imagine the screaming and yelling that took place. He called the mother up and the two kids had to stand there very embarrassed before their parents for what had happened. And if that wasn't enough, the father called the boy's parents. I didn't really know the girl. I had never met her parents before, only met her once or twice. But I knew the boy well and he called the parents over. And now it happened again, a second time. The boy and the girl had to stand there now being chewed out by his parents. <clears throat> And if that wasn't enough, when that was finished, the father picked up the phone and called me. 
And he says, Father, we've had an, uh, an incident here. Now, can we come over and see you? So it happened to be in my office. I said, sure. So they came over and they stood the boy in my office right in front of my desk as I was seated there. And the father began again to lace into his son for what he had done. And he went on all of this stuff with, you know, and is this what Father Carosa taught you to do? Do you think he's proud of you, that he's pleased with what you did? You're seen as one of the teen leaders in this parish, and you do something like this? On and on, he went into the boy, and I could see the tears welling up in the boy's eyes. So when the father finally finished yelling at him, I said, okay, can we have a moment alone, please? And he said, okay. So the father went out, I closed the door, And I got up from my desk and I went over to him and I just gave him my shoulder. I said, come on, put your head here. And he started to cry, buckets of tears. I think it went on for about 10 minutes. He cried and weeped. My shirt was drenched. And in the midst of all of his sighing and sobbing, he kept repeatedly saying, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I didn't want this to happen. I'm so sorry. And he went on and on with that. And when he was finally finished, I sat him down. And I said to him, I said, okay, I have just one question for you. Are you sorry that you did it or are you sorry that you got caught? And he said, no, no. He says, I'm sorry I did it. We didn't intend that. We were just sitting there talking and before we knew it, one thing led to another and we just couldn't help ourselves. And, you know, which is one of the reasons why I also always tell parents never let teenagers go up to their bedrooms alone with their boyfriends and girlfriends. If your house is the type that that's the only place they can have privacy, leave the door a little bit open. That will be more of an incentive for them to not get involved in anything that they don't intend to do. But be that as it may, I continued to talk with him. I said, well, you learned your lesson, huh? Okay. He says, yeah. He says, you know, he was never thought that he would ever give in to that. He goes, I thought I would be strong enough. You know, because I never thought that I would actually fall to that. And as we talked a little bit, he said to me, he says, aren't you going to yell at me? And I said to him, I said, why? Haven't you been yelled at enough? And then he said something to me that is one of the most precious things anyone has ever said to me. He said, I don't deserve you. And I said to him, I, I chuckled a little bit and I said, well, I said, first of all, it's not myself. I said, it's really Jesus you're talking to. I said, because I'm just here representing Christ to you. This is the way he would treat you. And of course, that's the way I was treating this young man. <clears throat> but I said, yeah, in one sense, he's right. We don't deserve God's forgiveness. None of us can say God owes us forgiveness. And yet, on the other hand, we do deserve it because God wills it. Because he loves us so much that no matter how serious our sins, he will forgive us over and over again. And on that day, at looking at this young man, I said, gee, if I could not be angry with this young man and feel love and forgiveness for him, how much more does Jesus feel for us? He who loves us so much more than any of us could ever love another human being. If my love for this 16-year-old boy could be that strong, imagine the Lord's love for us. And when we experience that, should we not be grateful to God? Should we not thank him for forgiving us our sins over and over again? My friends, the Lord does challenge us today to remember to be grateful to God. And especially not just for answering our prayers when we bring our, our, our petitions before him, but most especially for loving us enough to pull us out of the leprosy of our sins and cleanse us of that and restore to us the dignity that was ours at our baptism that we often end up destroying over and over again by our own sins. But he constantly renews us, cleanses us, and forgives us. 
and promises us that when our life, if we remain faithful to him, when our life on this earth is over, he will bring us into the glory of his loving embrace that we will live in the bosom of Christ for all of eternity. That indeed is the greatest thing God has done for us. And that alone should make us thankful to God. May we never miss an opportunity to thank God and see all the beautiful things that he has done for us and give him thanks for the simplest of things, such as a beautiful day that we say, Lord, what a beautiful morning, what a beautiful sunset, whatever it may be. But most importantly, thanking him for his continuous forgiveness of our sins. May Jesus Christ be praised now and forever. Thank you for listening to this week's homily by Father Carosa. If you enjoyed this homily, please pass the word on to your friends and invite them to listen. For more materials from Father Carosa, please visit www.fathercarosa.com.